0: Welcome. If you're listening when this talk is first broadcast, you're listening in the week after Pentecost Sunday, the day on which we remember how God's Holy Spirit was poured out on the first Christians. And the psalm which I've chosen for us to look at today happens to be the psalm which first includes the Hebrew word Hallelujah, praise ye the Lord. It's Psalm 104, but I didn't choose it for that reason. I chose it in line with the Pentecost theme, because verse 30 reads, Thou sendest forth thy spirit, they are created, and thou renewest the face of the earth. My name is Keith Simons and I present these talks on how to understand the King James Version of the Bible using the Psalms. I'm a Bible teacher from England and I go through the Psalms verse by verse and word by word, not trying to preach too many sermons but to explain the meanings of the Psalms. So please turn with me to Psalm 104 and it begins with verse 1 Bless the Lord, O my soul, O Lord my God, thou art very great, thou art clothed with honour and majesty. Bless the Lord, O my soul, my soul, the life that's in me. I'm calling on myself deep inside, to bless or to praise God. Because God is so very great, so wonderful. We look at him and we try to understand him, but we can't see him. What do we see? Thou art clothed with honour and majesty. It's like his honour, the wonderful honour of his perfect character, the fame of his name, his greatness, what he's done, his majesty, his royal authority. It's like these things are clothes that he's put on. We don't see God himself, no, but we can see so much of God's honour and majesty. Verse 2 Who coverest thyself with light, as with a garment who stretchest out the heavens like a curtain. Okay, what's happening here? The reason it says who is that it's got taken from the first verse, the thought of this is God who covers yourself with light. God who covers. So when it says who covereth thyself, it's not a question. It's not asking who does this. It's saying it's God who covers himself with light, as with the garment. And once again, we've got this word picture of clothing. We look at God and what do we see? Well, we see light, unapproachable light, wonderful light. When people like Ezekiel, at the beginning of his book, or, or John in chapter 4 of Revelation, when they saw visions of God in heaven or, or, or Isaiah in chapter 6 and the beauty of him in his temple, what did they see? They saw light. God, the light reminds us so much of God's character, the way it reveals things, the way it makes things known that would not otherwise be known. We see things because of the light. And it's this sort of word picture. God is clothing himself with light. We see the light, we see his honour, we see his majesty. That's what we can see of God. It's God who stretches out the heavens like a curtain. We're going to see a description in this psalm of all of creation and how wonderfully God holds it together and puts it in place The heavens there perhaps means the sky is uh, spread out like a curtain, like as if they're behind him and the light is shining upon us. And as it continues this psalm, we'll start to realise that this is a description of God's majesty, not as it was at the first creation, although there's plenty of references to the first creation here, and not as it will be when messiah is ruling and when this world is set right this this is a description of the world now it's a description of the majesty of god in our present world our present world with all its troubles with man fallen away from god in sin and with all the trouble and havoc that that that, that has brought about and yet god is still the majestic god the god whose honour we see, the God whose light brings light to our world, the God who, verse 3, layeth the beams of his chambers in the waters. A strange word picture that, a chamber, a room, the beam, the the strong uh, wood or whatever that supports the room and it's laid in the waters. And it's a picture of God, God above the clouds, God who is in a secure position on what seems to us to be insecure. We can't see what supports God in heaven. And when God comes to visit the earth, we don't see how he does that. But God is coming to this earth constantly because as we'll see in this psalm, God is ruling over it. Who maketh the clouds his chariot, who walketh upon the wings of the wind, who maketh his angel spirits, his ministers, a flaming fire. That's the rest of verse 3 and verse 4. So this chamber becomes a chariot, a carriage, a vehicle in which God rides. And he rides in the word picture, through the clouds or he walks in the word picture on the wind God who is strong and stable on things that look to us unstable and there he is sending forth his angels those servants of his who carry his messages he makes them spirits we don't see them we don't know what they're about us But they are there to minister to God's people and his ministers or his servants are like flaming fire. What force there is in God's angels, God's great army of angels, his servants who he's got constantly at work in this world. God is seen in the word picture as being above this world, riding like a soldier in his chariot, like an army commander in his chariot and sending forth his angels as spirits as a flaming fire to do his work in the world. Then we've got a word picture of the world at its creation um, but it seems to be hinting towards the great flood at the time of Noah. Let me read you verse 5 firstly. It's God who laid the foundations of the earth That it should not be removed forever. So it's God who established this world in a firm place. That word forever in the Hebrew means to a time beyond any time that we can imagine. It's not contradicting what we understand from modern science that the earth will come to an end or what Peter says in his epistle that the earth will be destroyed by fire. No, it's saying that God laid the foundations of the earth and they've lasted for as long as humans can remember and we can't see the time when they come to an end. On to verses 6 to 9. They all form a group as it describes the seas and the oceans. So God covers the earth with the sea. Verse 6. Thou coverest it with the deep as with a garment. The waters stood above the mountains. At thy rebuke they fled. At the voice of thy thunder they hasted away. They go up by the mountains. They go down by the valleys unto the place which thou hast founded for them. Thou hast set a bound that they may not pass over that they turn not again to cover the earth. That last line I just read, that they turn not again to cover the earth, that was God's promise to to Noah at the flood, that the waters would never again cover the earth completely. But but at creation, and uh, it seems at the time of the great flood, The waters did cover the earth. Thou coverest it with the deep as with a garment. So the picture there is of the water covering the entire earth. Even the mountains are covered over. How did God force the sea back into its proper place, either at creation or at the end of Noah's flood, just with a word, at thy rebuke? God spoke against them and they fled, they ran away. This is verse 7. At the voice of thy thunder, they hasted away. To haste means to go quickly. So God gave his instruction and it was like thunder. It was such a powerful instruction that the water obeyed. And. Uh, In the King James Version, at verse 8, you've got a picture of the water panicking to rush away. They go up by the mountains, they go down by the valleys. Um, But uh, most of the translations, including ancient ones, prefer to understand the Hebrew as meaning the mountains rise up, the valleys go down. In other words, the world is taking the shape that it should have. And so the waters go unto the place which thou hast founded for them. The waters go back to the sea and to the oceans, to the place which God has founded, that God established for them to be. Because God set limits for the sea, and even with its great waves, verse 9, Thou hast set a bound that they may not pass over, that they turn not again to cover the earth. God has placed limits on how far the sea may go. God has directed that the sea may not again cover the earth. It did so for the last time at Noah's flood. And now the water is under God's control. Now the water does the work that God has for it. Even in our world, a fallen world, where so much is wrong, the water is doing God's work. Let me read verses 10 to 13. He, that's God, sendeth the springs into the valleys which run among the hills. They give drink to every beast of the field. The wild asses quench their thirst. By them shall the fowls of the heaven have their habitation, which sing among the branches. He watereth the hills from his chambers. The earth is satisfied with the fruit of thy works. Okay, let's go through that slowly. So God sends the springs, the sources of water, into the valleys, verse 10 which run among the hills. So he's provided water uh, through these springs that run through the hills and into the valleys. God's provided water for, not just for people, but for the animals too. Verse 11, every beast of the field, every, every animal in the open country finds their water from the water that God has provided for them. Even in this fallen world, the animals find what they need to drink by the provision of God. The wild asses, that's the wild donkeys, wild horses, they quench their thirst, they satisfy their thirst with the water that God has provided. By them, by the streams, by the waters, shall the fowls, verse 12 this is, the birds of the heaven, of the skies, have their habitation. So by the waters, the birds of the skies have a place to live. And they sing for joy as they sit among the branches. They sing for joy at the wonders of God's creation, because God watereth the hills from his chambers Okay, the chambers is referring back to the rooms in verse 3. They are the chambers in the waters, the waters of the clouds. So it's saying God pours down rain from his chambers above the clouds. God is providing the rain for the hills. Verse 13, the earth is satisfied with the fruit of thy works, the fruit of thy works, what God has done. Thy works, God's works, the fruit of thy works, what's produced by what God does. God has produced water to satisfy the earth so that the earth can produce fruits to give honour to God. Uh, Verse 14 looks at the sort of things that the earth produces. Verses 14 and 15 I'll read. He causeth the grass to grow for the cattle, and herb for the service of man, that he might bring fo- that he may bring forth food out of the earth, and wine that maketh glad the heart of man, and oil to make his face to shine, and bread which strengtheneth man's heart. So God is causing grass and herb to grow in verse 14. Grass and herb. Two different Hebrew words there, each meaning uh, green foliage, leaves. One sort of leaves he grows for the cattle, they eat the grass of course, and another sort of leaves he produces for the service or for the benefit of people. Herbs it's called here, but it could mean vegetables. This is this is a plant that grow for people's benefit, that he may bring forth food out of the earth. Yes, the earth is going to be productive. It's going to provide food for the people. It's going to provide the grain that they need for their food. And it's going to provide much more than just the minimum that they need. It's not just providing in, uh, the food to keep them alive. No, it's providing good things and pleasurable things too. Verse fifteen and wine that maketh glad the heart of man. I don't drink alcohol; I don't believe in it, but God's provided grape juice. God's provided these things as a benefit to people, not not so that people can get drunk through too much wine but so that they can have pleasant and good things to drink, so that they can be pleased in God's works. Uh, Drunkenness and wrong behaviour was never part of God's plan. That's what happened when things went wrong, when Noah made himself drunk after the flood. No, God provided wine to make glad the heart of man and oil to rub onto his face oil to make his face shine, and bread which strengtheneth man's heart, bread to make him strong, grain uh, to provide for him. Verse 16 continues as it looks beyond the world that man is interested in, to the parts of the world which man looks at with amazement. Let me read verses 16 to 18. The trees of the Lord are full of sap, the cedars of Lebanon which he hath planted, where the birds make their nests. As for the stork, the fir trees are her house, the high hills are a refuge for the wild goats, and the rocks for the conies. Okay, The trees of the Lord are full of sap. You'll see the words of sap are in italics in the King James Bible, meaning that the Hebrew doesn't include those words. They've been added to try and explain the idea of trees being full. Probably the meaning of the Hebrew is the trees are full of moisture because God has provided the water that they need to grow. But the King James translators have understood this to be sap, the moisture that you can get out of trees by cutting through what seems to be dry, dead bark, and out drips moisture, sap. The trees of the Lord are full of sap. The cedars of Lebanon, which he hath planted. Lebanon is on the north side of Israel. It was famous in ancient times For its great trees, cedars, people didn't plant those trees. God, the psalm declares, planted them. Uh, Verse 7, where the birds make their nests, so the birds have their nests in the cedars. As for the stork, another type of bird, she chooses the fir trees as her house. You see, God's provided the right kind of trees for the different birds. And he's provided these places which are no use to people, the high hills. Uh, people can't live on the high hills. They look so bare and so rough, but they're the refuge, a safe place for the wild goats. God has thought about where the wild goats should live. And what about the uh, the conies? Well, we don't use that word in English now, so I looked it up in a Bible dictionary It said the rock badger or hyrax. Well, I don't know anything about rock badgers either. I don't think we've got them in England. But uh, whatever animal is being described there, I think it's a little animal which would run around in the cracks in the rocks. God's got a place for the cracks in the rocks. God's made that place for the benefit of the conies. You see how in our world, with with so many things happening, God's provided the place for everything. God has organised this world and he's organised it well. But what about the times of year? Well, verse 19. God has appointed the moon for seasons. The sun knoweth his going down. So the moon measures out for us. As it, each month it passes through the skies, it measures out the time, and people used to work out the the time, uh, the passage of the months by counting the new moon, each each month in turn, and the sun in the same way counts the days for us. This is how God has organised time. But if the sun knows it's going down, if the sun knows the time when it should set in the sky, well, what about the darkness? If God is the God of light, if God is the God who covers thyself with light, verse 2, what do we make of the darkness? The night time. Let's read the the psalm's description of night time, beginning with verse 20. Thou God makest darkness, and it is night, wherein all the beasts of the forest do creep forth. The young lions roar up to their prey and seek their meat from God. The sun ariseth. They gather themselves together and lay them down in their dens. The darkness? God made the darkness. God appointed the night. He gave it Not for people, but for the beasts of the forest, for these strange and ferocious wild animals to creep forth out of their their shelters, to creep forth out of their safe places. Even the young lions, the young lions, when you hear them roaring or making a loud noise, they're asking God to provide for the meat, to provide for them that night. But when the sun rises, verse 22, they gather themselves together. They lay down in their dens, in the hiding places of the lions and all these wild animals. Why has God arranged it that way? Because it's daytime and it's time for man to, verse 23, goeth forth unto his work and his labour unto the evening. Oh, the time's come for people to go out. It's daytime again because the sun has arisen, verse 22. And so he goes forward his work and God's given him the proper work for him to do that lasts for the day. And then when the evening comes, he returns, just as lions lay down in their dens in verse 22. He returns home to rest and to sleep with the sleep that God's given to him. Even in our imperfect world, God has placed a proper place for people, along with all the animals. That's how God has arranged the world. But what about if we look further afield? Let's first praise God. Verse 24: O oh Lord, how manifold are their works. How many are the things that you have done. Manifold means many. In wisdom hast thou made them all. The earth is full of thy riches. This shows God's great wisdom. It shows God's great wealth. The the world is such a rich place, so wisely put together. This is God's great work. Okay, if that's the land, what about the sea? What about the ocean? What about those waters which God rebuked in verse 7 and told them to go away, to go away into the seas and the oceans, setting a bound that they may not pass over? Uh, That's verse 9. Is that sea under God's control? In this imperfect world, it's a sea which seems so untamed to be under the control of God? Yes, it is. Verse 25, and a couple of verses after that. So is this great and wide sea. Wherein are things creeping innumerable, both small and great beasts. There go the ships. There is that Leviathan, whom thou hast made to play therein. These wait all upon thee, that thou mayest give them their meat in due season. So the sea, in which are creeping things innumerable, in other words, there's strange creatures in there, and they're more than we can even number, more than we can even count. Some are tiny, some are huge. God's created it, and he's placed an order there, He's placed a place even for people there, because in verse 26, there go the ships. But in this place, the wild animals of the sea have control. There is that Leviathan, whom thou hast made to play therein. Leviathan, a fierce, wild animal. Uh, When the crocodile, which seems to be described by that word at the end of Book of in the book of Job, when he comes forth, he is ferocious and fierce and people are so afraid of him. But they're in the sea, animals like that, great sea animals, animals much greater than the crocodile. They are happy there. They look to just play in the waves. They are totally at ease and totally at comfort in the place that God has made for them. These all wait upon thee. They're all the servants of God. They're waiting for God to give them their meat, their food, at the time that God has chosen. And so God is in control of all his creation, both on land and on sea. He provides for them. He judges them. He acts to give them what they need. Verse 28. That thou givest them, they gather. Thou openest thine thine hand, they are filled with good. Thou hidest thy face, they are troubled. Thou takest away their breath, they die and return to their dust. In other words, when God provides, that is the gift of God. But when God acts in judgment, if God just simply looks away from them, they're troubled. There comes a time... When God allows them to die and they return to dust and their bodies return to the ground, they're all under the control of God. And so we as people should learn that when we receive good things, we should be grateful and thankful to God But when we don't see God's face shining towards us, when we don't see his kindness, when we are troubled, then we must turn to God in repentance. We must confess our sins. We must acknowledge that God is greater than us and we must turn to him and serve him because our life, our breath belongs to him. They die and we expect that to be the end of this. But then this wonderful statement that I began with, In verse 30, God, thou sendest forth thy spirit. They are created and thou renewest the face of the earth. It's God who by his spirit brings life. It was God on the day of Pentecost who by his spirit poured out life on the first Christians that they could go forth in the light of his new creation and as those renewed by his Holy Spirit and born again by the Holy Spirit, they went forth to renew the face of the earth, to bring new life to people across the world. This is what's happening in the seas and in the forests. God is bringing life. That's why the still animals in the sea, still animals around the world, because God is constantly Bringing life by the power of His Spirit. So, what we see in the spiritual world is echoed in the natural world, and it's all happening by the power of God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Verse 31 The glory of the Lord shall endure forever, the Lord shall rejoice in His works. He looketh on the earth, and it trembleth, He toucheth the hills. And they smoke. Yes, God's glory, his wonderful splendour and majesty and honour is forever. God has joy in the things he has created but when God acts in judgment it only takes a glance of his towards the earth in judgment and the earth trembles. Or when God acts in judgment He just needs to touch the hills and they turn to smoke. That is the power of our God. So, a conclusion is needed to this great psalm. This psalm which has described all of creation and God's work in it in our present age. Oh, what will I do? How shall I respond to these thoughts about God's creation? Verse 33... I will sing unto the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have my being. My meditation, my thoughts about him shall be sweet. They'll be pleasant. I will be glad in the Lord. But this earth... This earth is imperfect because people have turned away from God. Let me be one who sings unto the Lord. Let me be one who praises God. Let me think about God and be glad in God. Let me turn from my sins, repent of them and receive his forgiveness that he offers through Jesus' death for me because there is a judgment that must come. There is a judgment that, that must come so that God can establish his rule fully on this earth. It's for a temporary time. God allows the evil people to do evil things, but the time will come when God will act. And that is my prayer in verse 35. Let the sinners be consumed out of the earth and let the wicked be no more. Lord God, let the time come when people who are choosing the path of rebellion against you, who are choosing to live sinfully, will be consumed out of the earth, taken out of the earth. It's like something that's swallowed up, consumed. Let the wicked be no more. Let God's judgment be upon wicked people so that their wicked acts and their wicked schemes can no longer continue. Bless thou the Lord, O my soul. That's where he began in verse 1, calling upon his soul, his inner life, to praise God. And then finally, at the end of this great psalm, the word which we noted, the first occurrence of it in the Bible, Praise ye the Lord. Hallelujah, he says. In a moment I'll read you the whole psalm, but first I'd like you to write to me my email address, 333kjv at gmail dot com. Just tell me if you can't think of anything else to write, whereabouts in the world it is that you live? My email address again, 333kjv at gmail dot com. And now let me read you the whole of Psalm 104. Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord my God, thou art very great, thou art clothed with honour and majesty, who coverest thyself with light as with a garment, who stretchest out the heavens like a curtain who layeth the beams of his chambers in the waters, who maketh the clouds his chariot, who walketh upon the wings of the wind, who maketh his angels' spirits, his ministers a flaming fire, who laid the foundations of the earth that it should not be removed forever. Thou coverest it with the deep as with a garment. The waters stood above the mountains. At thy rebuke they fled. At the voice of thy thunder they hasted away. They go up by the mountains. They go down by the valleys unto the place which thou hast founded for them. Thou hast set a bound that they may not pass over that they turn not again to cover the earth. He sendeth the springs into the valleys which run among the hills. They give drink to every beast of the field. The wild asses quench their thirst. By them shall the fowls of the heaven have their habitation, which sing among the branches. He watereth the hills from his chambers The earth is satisfied with the fruit of thy works. He causeth the grass to grow for the cattle, and herb for the service of man, that he may bring forth food out of the earth, and wine that maketh glad the heart of man, and oil to make his face to shine, and the bread which strengtheneth man's heart. The trees of the Lord are full of sap, the cedars of Lebanon which he hath planted, where the birds make their nests. As for the stork, the fir trees are her house. The high hills are a refuge for the wild goats, and the rocks for the conies. He appointed the moon for seasons. The sun knoweth his going down, Thou makest darkness, and it is night, wherein all the beasts of the forest do creep forth. The young lions roar after their prey, and seek their meat from God. The sun ariseth, they gather themselves together, and lay them down in their dens. Man goeth forth unto his work, and to his labour. Unto the evening. O Lord, how manifold are thy works! In wisdom hast thou made them all. The earth is full of thy riches. So is this great and wide sea, Wherein are things creeping innumerable, Both small and great beasts. There go the ships, there is that Leviathan, whom thou hast made to play therein. These all wait upon thee, That thou mayest give them their meat in due season, That thou givest them they gather, Thou openest thy hand, thine hand, They are filled with good. Thou hidest thy face, They are troubled, Thou takest away their breath, They die and return to their dust. Thou sendest forth thy spirit, they are created, and thou renewest the face of the earth. The glory of the Lord shall endure forever, the Lord shall rejoice in his works. He looketh on the earth, and it trembleth, he toucheth the hills, and they smoke. I will sing praise unto the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have my being. My meditation of him shall be sweet. I will be glad in the Lord. Let the sinners be consumed out of the earth and let the wicked be no more. Bless thou the Lord, O my soul. Praise ye the Lord.